Morning, everybody. Morning. Day two, which means this is the crowd day one, which is awesome. Uh, hey, thank you guys for uh, taking time out of an undoubtedly very busy reInvent calendar um, to listen to a bit of our SAP Alliance, what we do uh, with SAP, what we do at customers. Um, it's, uh, it's an exciting uh, day for us because we have actually an actual customer sharing some of their experiences on their migration and transformation efforts. And so with that, let me get started. My name is uh, Buzz Kampaus. I uh, lead some of the strategic ISVs at uh, AWS, one of them being SAP, which is obviously uh, a very important customer workload for us and a very important partner. Um, Show of hands, who is running SAP today, who's fairly familiar with the topic? Good. Well, then we have the right audience. Um, so for you guys, um, this image is probably not news. This is kind of the, the strategic vision that SAP is, uh, is implementing uh, as we speak, right? They obviously have a phenomenal footprint in uh, helping customers transact business. Um, one statistic is over 90% of the world's GDP is actually getting transacted through an SAP system, um, which means a lot of enterprise customers and, and, and enterprise serving customers are relying on SAP solutions to transact and document what they've done. Obviously, the finance process, business consolidation, supply chain, uh, HR processes is really where SAP's core strength is. Now, there's a transformation happening, a disruption, if you will, partly the hyperscale cloud, partly the emerging technologies around machine learning, IoT, those type of technologies, which is a real opportunity um, for SAP customers to leverage machine learning, for instance, into what we call the intelligent enterprise. Um, more automation, more decisions that can be automated and therefore make business more efficient. Now, that comes against a backdrop. Uh, this is a study of resulting IT. They, did, uh, they surveyed about 100 companies on their SAP implementation experiences. And implementing SAP turns out to not be a trivial activity. Um, Probably not news to you, but when you ask the stakeholders, not just the people in IT that were accountable, uh, or the, ex the SAP experts, what their perception is of their internal SAP journeys, there's actually a, fair, a fairly shocking result. 36% of the respondents believe that the, plan, that the project came in on plan. 30% believes that it actually came in on the budget that was originally forecasted. And all, more than half of the people, slightly more, believe that the original business case, the value proposition, was not fully achieved. Now those are daunting results. And this is just a perspective, right? And so it's easy to contemplate where is the problem. Is it the, the big SIs not being experts enough? Is it the tasks that we're actually relying on SAP software for not being easy to implement? Ultimately, it defines how you transact and engage with a customer in many cases, which requires change management. Is it the software that's too complex? Or is it the infrastructure barriers that make it 
quite uh, significant to decide to implement or upgrade an SAP solution. Now within Amazon, we, uh, for those of you that are familiar with us, we have a, quite a peculiar uh, culture. Um, one of the things we do when we are uh, about to make a decision is ask ourselves if we're walking, talking about a one-way or a two-way door decision. And the significant, this came from Jeff Wilkie, but the significance was that there was a team that was taking an enormous amount of time and analysis to make a decision that he typed as a two-way door decision. One-way door decisions are decisions that when you go through that door, it's really hard to get back to the state you just left. And we make those decisions every day. Some, that's just the reality of how we run companies, how we serve customers. But they require analysis. They require research. They might be looking for other uh, peers in the industry that have made this decision to understand what the outcomes were for them. Um, and they take time, because you need to be sure what you're going to find to the best of your ability on the other side of the door. And so the liking on this slide is, once you jump out of an airplane, it's really hard to get back in. So you do want to check your parachute. You do want to make sure that you can land somewhere before you make that decision. Two-way door decisions are decisions where you can walk through that door, look around. If you like it, you stay or take the next door. If you don't like it, you go back to the state you just left. And my argument is the hyperscale cloud for SAP workloads transitions what traditionally were one-way door decisions, like upgrading to HANA, as an example, to a two-way door decision. And I'll, uh, I'll talk a little bit more about how we do that. Let's talk a little bit about the Alliance uh, by itself. Uh, it's uh, over a decade now that we've been partnering with SAP. Obviously, in the beginning, it started with um, workloads that were fairly light in their technical requirements and been phenomenally successful, but it provided a lot of customer feedback. Customers liked the on-demand model. Customers liked the self-service model when it came to provisioning infrastructure. Um, but the size was a, a real concern. Now with that, especially after the X1 system was launched, going to the hyperscale cloud with mission-critical workloads like SAP became a reality. And we've seen a significant spike in how customers are utilizing the infrastructure and the services that AWS provides around it, right? So if you think about a, a BP who actually has migrated by now 26 systems over a period of 12 months, significantly reducing their reliance. In this case, for them, a key priority was reducing the Oracle footprint um, or an AIG, I'll talk a little bit more about that, or a fast retailing, which is the Uniqlo blend, right? What you see, or what we at least observe here, that virtually every industry, every segment in the industry and worldwide, we see very significant SAP enterprise customers start to trust AWS as a good place to secure and provide agilience while increasing the agility of serving their SAP customer base. Now this is a slide, I'm sure that Andy will have a similar slide with some updates tomorrow in his keynote but you can kind of see what instance types are now certified for SAP workloads. 
AWS, at this point in time, is the only hyperscale cloud provider that has every SAP solution available certified on AWS. And so that creates some level of agility and flexibility as well. You can support your ECC deployment on Oracle. You can decide to migrate to DB2 or to SQL or to HANA as a destination. Um, and these, because everything is software-defined, these migrations become a lot easier once you're on AWS. Now, talk a little bit more specifically about the HANA infrastructure. This, this was actually truly a breakthrough, in my opinion, about how the hyperscale cloud is maturing to deal with the most demanding mission-critical workloads out there. So I told you we did the two terabyte in 2016, we did the four terabyte in 2017, um, and that became a real platform. Now, understand that it's truly elastic in your ability to consume. You can migrate from a one to a two in about five minutes. You can actually scale down from a four back to a two if you're not using the data in about five minutes. It's a, a simple start-stop function. But we needed more. And this is where we introduced the high memory instances. The high memory instances took all the logic that was at the virtualization layer and put it in silicon. They're actually inside that machine. And those I.O. Uh, operations between storage and network and compute are now actually offloaded from a virtualization layer, which means the hardware is 100% addressable, but it's still a truly native AWS solution. There's several providers that use a private cloud co-location type of approach to get beyond virtualization, but we were very committed that we wanted the AWS experience that customers come to us for gets maintained even in a bare metal scenario. So you can instantiate these solutions uh, in a dedicated host with just an instruction. A six terabyte or a 12 terabyte system takes about an hour to get created maybe another hour or two hours to actually install HANA on it and you're off and you can start loaning, uh, playing around with it. In 2019, we have announced we will support 18 and 24 terabyte environments and we're working also very closely with SAP to certify these sol solutions for scale out for OLTP as well, which is, um, which is becoming a reality. So size no longer is a limitation. And it's because we went to bare metal, which was a very important decision, not an easy decision, a one-way door decision, if you will. Um, but we're seeing some great results, and I'll, I'll, talk, I'll talk about some of it. Now then, in terms of global availability, we serve customers worldwide, as said. Um, an interesting case on, on this slide is uh, Uniqlo, for instance, right? Talk about one-way door, two-way door decisions. Uniqlo has been an extremely fast expanding retailer that, that you know from clothing in, in malls all around the world. Um, and they started with us on a half a terabyte, moved over months into one, two, and four terabytes in a matter of 12 months. When we launched the high memory instances on a Thursday, we launched it officially on a Thursday. Uniqlo cut over in a matter of two hours on that Saturday their entire productive environment to six terabytes. 
right? It's massive, two hour downtime. That type of agility now is possible. And if Uniqlo would actually walk through that door and discover that the six terabytes is not what they expected it to be, they cut back to the four terabyte and serve the customers as soon as they bring the systems back online. It's a very different environment out there. Um, now, obviously, we're deploying these, uh, these high memory instances in other regions, very much, you know, the, the customer obsession mantra here. We're waiting for customer to actually indicate where they need these instances to, uh, to be deployed. Now, another interesting fact about these high memory instances, um, which is not as published, but the price is truly linear. For those of you that ever bought hardware, when you, when you start getting into eight socket and higher systems, it starts to be a bit of a hockey stick in pricing because these systems have a lot less demand typically for the configurations that are being offered. But with AWS, it's the same platform, the same CPUs and memory configurations that we put in the X1 or the R5 systems that apply to this high memory instances. So you'll see about a linear price increase as you start adding terabytes Now a little bit of the state of the cloud provider serving SAP workloads. Um, as said, <coughs> some cloud providers use a co-glow environment to actually provision memory as instances above four terabytes. Uh, I've excluded that from this analysis, this point of view, because I don't believe long-term commitments and paper-based contracts are what cloud consumers actually expect a cloud provider to provide. If you truly look at software-defined infrastructure solutions, AWS quite, has still quite a, a head start when it comes to serving mission-critical workloads. And these data points are just publicly available. How many reference customers can you find um, that actually talk to the use of the SAP footprint on AWS or on any of the other providers? If you think about the performance of these systems, kind of the middle section, Two providers don't even publish benchmarks for the cloud environments that they provide, which should concern customers in my mind. Um, the benchmark that we provide, the first instance that we launched actually was a 38K uh, SAPS performance level. With the high memory instances, we now, SAPS is kind of a performance measure, right, that SAP publishes, you do benchmarks in order to achieve it. The high memory instances are a 500,000 SAP system, which is absolutely in line with some of the best systems that you could buy on-prem. Um, and then in memory, um, we now go to 12, as said, we'll go to 18 and uh, 20 terabytes and beyond. The others are still struggling to provision four terabytes. So let's talk a little bit about <clears throat> the use cases that we see customers do. It comes down in what we see, two main objectives. One is retire the technical debt associated with SAP landscapes to make IT serve businesses in a more agile manner. It's a strong motivation. The other motivation is to actually set up the environment to innovate faster. And we see cases on both sides. What we've done between SAP and, uh, and AWS is actually try to make the blue line come closer to the green line in value by automating to the extent possible. So about a year ago, we launched a methodology called FAST. 
FAST actually extracts an on-prem system running on a traditional database, Oracle DB2 SQL, extracts the file, compresses them, the compressed files get transferred to AWS, and we load these files in a HANA destination. Because it's all automated, we can take an average system, eight terabytes, 10 terabytes, in less than 48 hours to a HANA destination, which makes it that experience on that two-way door. If you could actually on a HANA destination, and you can run your month-end close, or you can do your MRP run, you can actually start playing around and validating that the business case is coming together, and there's no longer a need to do big sizing reports to figure out what you need to buy in terms of hardware to even accept the, uh, the workload, things become two-way door decisions. It becomes an experience, if you will, and you can actually determine if you wanna go further based on actually seeing through some virtual reality glasses, your future. A very powerful proposition, and um, John will talk a little bit uh, more about how they use that. The way we go at that is basically, um, this slide is, is depicting it a bit more technically. So we extract the system, compress, the compressed files go into AWS, and we land it in a HANA destination. We've done 40 terabyte BW environments in 38 hours for massive consumer good manufacturers that are uh, headquartered here in the US. It's absolutely a game changer because where you see a lot of customers start sizing what it would take to do a POC for HANA, it now becomes something that you can decide on Monday morning and you can actually have business users testing against that system on Thursday. And by the next Monday, you would have an early assessment whether you think this is valuable or not. So it becomes an experience, it becomes a two-way door. We created this slide to help you possibly think a little bit about how you think in this new hyperscale cloud work about SAP. So four layers here, infrastructure, the databases, the applications on top of it, and then the emerging services or the innovation services that are available on hyperscale cloud providers, be it machine learning or IoT scenarios. AWS is the only provider that is basically supported for all databases and all SAP applications, which gives you freedom. SAP has uh, indicated that support will run out for Oracle DB2 SQL traditional uh, relationship database models, and everybody needs to move to HANA by 2025, right? It's a, it's a massive engagement for customers to figure out what do I need to do with the, the system that supports my mission-critical operations in order to get to a HANA destination. Some customers, because every customer journey in our experience is somewhat unique, some customers just move like for like an Oracle to an Oracle to AWS, and that sets them up to do a HANA exercise at some point in time in the future. Some customers go straight to an S4 destination and take on both at that point in time. But the ability to experiment once you're in AWS is lighthouse different from running your own data center operations because infrastructure is near infinite and always available in a self-service model. 
Now, on top of that, what's more interesting, and we see that with customers being about one, two years into their, their journey, the ability to connect to emerging technologies is also at the fingertips of a POC developer type of community, right? We've seen people play with um, Alexa a lot in customer engagements. We see people play with the deep lens camera to start doing image recognition to lead to decisions. There's a ton of work happening with IoT services like Greengrass and integrating that back into the core system. Those things have no infrastructure barriers anymore either. So one customer of ours that actually has moved already 13 systems in less than 13 months. Think about that, that's a system a month that's going over and they're, they're still migrating a whole bunch of workloads, is AIG. AIG claims that they have already, in the year one, saved $8 million on infrastructure and infrastructure-related operational costs in year one. And that's just an instant return. <coughs> with, that, with that, they also gained a tremendous amount of flexibility and agility. They can size systems right to what is actually being used. They don't need 12 terabytes of HANA systems ready for a projected three-year growth, they have a four terabyte system right now. And AIG, as you can imagine, complex company, they have multiple databases running on AWS all towards a HANA outcome over the next couple of years. Now, when you think about the second part of it, right, accelerate innovation, um, we have a great partnership with SAP and Bjorn Gerke's team on, on providing SCP environments. We're the only provider that has uh, more, six regions right now, three coming uh, in terms of worldwide availability. For each of the regions that we actually have SCP running on, um, we have about four times the amount of services running and supported through Cloud Foundry on SCP. And we're right now, we're doing a whole lot of work to create more prescriptive interoperability between a poly, a Lex, uh, an Athena with SCP so that you get the best of both worlds here. Um, happy to talk more about you. We're trying to listen a lot to customer, both SAP and, and ourselves, to figure out what is needed next. What, is, what are the biggest use cases you have there? And uh, yeah, come find us after the session. Now, this is a slide we kind of created to help you think through it. What platform do I choose for what type of innovation scenario? And we were talking a little bit with John and his team last night. Ultimately, infrastructure becomes a layer <coughs> that's built for dependability. It's built to last. It shouldn't change often. The, the network protocols, the storage, the compute is something you rely on. There's still a ton of innovation that needs to happen at that layer. But with a hyperscale cloud provider, you get that innovation almost uh, without noticing it. New instances become available, you cut over to the new instance. Network speeds increase, it's not something you have to worry about. It's built to last. The next layer, the application layer, is a layer that you want to have all the possible options available, should you choose to use them, but it's built to consume. It's a consumption layer, ultimately, towards the customer engagement layer. And then that layer above it is architected to change. That's where the innovation and the agility and the speed to react to changing business conditions need to come to fruition. And so 
as you think about how do I think about accelerating my innovation capabilities as well as reducing the cost or the, the uh, increasing the agility, if you will, to serve SAP workloads, this is a slide that's somewhat helpful. And we have a customer in Brooks Brothers that actually used this paradigm fairly early on. Uh, retailer, uh, obviously massive uh, footprint in apparel. They were actually working with SAP on very frequent releases for their specific industry segment. And so AWS, as an infrastructure provider for Brooks Brothers, provided them the opportunity to take these enhancement packs and support packs from SAP the moment they come out, apply the changes, determine if it's valuable or not, fail fast if it didn't, or implement the changes into production as fast as they could. So a little bit more about the use cases that we see. Obviously, talked about the migrations. I think 50% rough assessment uh, of customers come to us to just migrate what they have to the hyperscale cloud and start uh, obtaining some of the benefits uh, that are associated with that. But an ever-increasing footprint of customers is actually leveraging the hyperscale cloud for the digital transformation uh, expectations that are upon them. And it's, it's kind of a, a trifecta. Um, obviously, HANA doesn't run on a, on a server that you already have. It does require net new infrastructure architecture, which leads lots of customers to ask themselves, is the hyperscale cloud ready for my mission-critical workload? And then with the innovation that SAP is actually introducing in S4HANA or in BW for HANA, it becomes a popular choice to actually try that on AWS, go live on AWS and support it on AWS. Then what you see in case number three, as soon as customers have done that, they start innovating around their SAP systems and with their SAP systems. And so we had a great uh, customer on stage yesterday, ENJ Gallo, they're uh, a little bit over a quarter of the, the wine consumption in, uh, in North America, oldest wine company in the world. They actually implemented S4HANA and created a platform called WineOS on top of it to interact with not only their tasting rooms, but their distributors and their e-commerce channels as a singular platform. And they're opening up new routes to market because of the agility and the importance to innovate as new customers and new channels get onboarded. So very innovative uh, approach that Sanjay took there. Um, it'll be a video that's available in a couple of days uh, if you're interested in that. And then, of course, the fourth case is that we see a lot of companies um, help customers implement and operate their SAP environment. So that's the fourth use case, manage and operate and automate around it. Lots of our partners, we have about 300 partners right now that specialize in SAP workloads that have built orchestration layers on top of it that provide managed services around it, including SAP's own hack. Um, very popular use case for them as well. Now with that, I'd like to invite John. John is from Thermo Fisher and uh, was one of the early adapters of SAP on AWS. And John, interested in your story? Thank you. Maybe your mic is working. I don't know. Should I use this? I should. Good morning, everyone. Um, it's great to get the opportunity to share a little bit of our story. There we go. 
So, John Quinn, I work for Thermo Fisher Scientific and I'm responsible for our enterprise ERP systems um, at that company. Um, what I want to share a little bit today is, is where, where, we've come, where we are today from an SAP perspective, where we are from an infrastructure perspective, um, where our business is going. Um, I'm okay? All right. Thank you. Where, where our business is going and how we're thinking about where our business is going and, and where that needs to take us on our journey with, with ERP and, and infrastructure. Um, maybe a couple of use cases of what we've been able to do and, and what, what our experience has been so far. So just a little bit about Thermo Fisher. Um, we're a relatively large organization um, and, and we, we play in the life sciences space. So we basically, what we call it, serve science and we're the world leader today. Um, whether you're doing medical research and you need a multi-million dollar microscope or a multi-million dollar DNA analyzer or you need a pair of rubber gloves and a test tube in a lab, we, we serve the full gamut in terms of um, product and services in that space. We've, we've, we've been growing fairly rapidly um, and, and a lot through acquisition, which has is, which is created a, its own interesting challenges, particularly in my, in my case in the ERP space. We, have, we actually have 75 ERP systems, which is uh, fun. Um, so we, we really have to think about where our organization is going and how we manage that environment and ma frankly manage out of that environment and, and get to something that's scalable and flexible. So our company vision, in 2030, we expect to have doubled in size. Um, and that, that's, that's uh, pretty aggressive. And we intend to do that by um, double down on our, on our customer focus and ensuring we understand our customers, what they need, where they are, and how we can increase our market share. Um, our digital platform, our digital assets, our digital channels, uh, we're going to put a lot of investment and, and effort into that. Um, as we believe that's, that's the, the, the path forward in terms of gaining, that, uh, gaining those new markets, gaining that new market share. Um, and we will acquire a lot more. So on top of that 75 ERPs today, you know, we should anticipate um, acquiring five to 10 more ERPs year over year. Um, so again, a lot to think about in terms of doing that. So and what we need in to, to, to achieve that, um, we need to reduce costs and we need to ensure we have the right talent to move forward. So as we're thinking about how we realize that vision, um, some of the questions we're asking ourselves is, how do we scale and flex, and how do we do it quickly, quicker than we are today? How do we bring acquisitions on board a lot quicker than we are today? So pace is gonna be a key theme throughout all of this. Um, while we're doing that though, we, we do need to be mindful of the fact that we are running a, an existing business um, operations are absolutely critical to that, uptime, systems being available, systems operating at a high performance. So when we think about DR um, you know, and, and, the, and the capabilities that, that AWS brings to the table there, that becomes very real for us. If we, maybe a year, year and a half ago, we had a facility in, our, in Philadelphia that through weather conditions lost, lost uh, part of its roof and just so happens that the data center was uh, under that part of the roof. So <laughs> they had a lot of critical ERP and, and other business operations systems hosted there. And it took weeks and months actually to, uh, for the business to fully recover from that situation. 
had we been hosting those uh, data, had we hosted the systems in that data center in the cloud, that's a whole different ballgame in terms of how we were able to respond to a situation like that. And that actually helps us from a, a business perspective. So that made it very real for, our, for our, um, our executive leadership in terms of what disaster recovery actually means. And it helps with the, the business case as we look to move forward. The other area we're, we're interested in is, is customer collaboration. We have a lot of scientists out there that we serve um, that are doing a lot of interesting things and exciting things with areas like cancer research and, and other areas similar to that. We want to create an environment where those scientists can work together, collaborate together, share data, a um, lot of data, particularly around analytics, and uh, we're looking to the AWS cloud environment to help us with that. Of course, we're doing all of this. We need to drive costs down. That's a continuous demand. I'm sure anybody in the IT organization here knows about that. And there's an ever-increasing complex environment of data privacy, uh, FDA is, is an area for us that we have to be um, mindful of, and security is becoming all the more important. So what, what are we thinking about when we, when we move forward? Um, we're going to move our infrastructure into the AWS cloud. That's every mission-critical system and beyond that we have will reside in the AWS cloud. It won't happen next year. It'll happen over a period of years. We'll, but we will be targeting our Main data, main data centers as, a, as, a, as our first targets, because that's where the value is. So that's one, one item we're doing. We're actually, we have deployed SAP S4 HANA uh, in the AWS cloud. I'll talk a little bit about that. But that is our strategic ERP play going forward. We have a lot of SAP systems. Um, we have a big SAP footprint, and uh, we anticipate SAP S4 HANA and, and the, the capabilities around that system will be a significant part of our IT ecosystem and, and capabilities both for our business and our customers going forward. Um, the, other the, the other place we think is, is pretty important is real-time analytics. Um, most often today what we're doing is, is running batch reports overnight, landing in an executive's mailbox in the next morning. They're making decisions uh, with day-old data. And their teams and, and all the way down into the organization doesn't necessarily have visibility to that data that maybe enable them to make decisions. So it just slows down the decision making and you're, you're making decisions with older data. So we think the real-time analytics with uh, tools like, well, with the database platform itself, S4HANA and tools like SAP Analytics Cloud is gonna add a lot of value there. So what, what, what do we look like today? Um, so we actually have two S4 HANA instances deployed in AWS. One is your more traditional ERP deployment, um, supporting a, one of our diagnostics businesses in Vanta in Finland. Um, they're looking at some uh, key strategic instruments that uh, we're, we're looking to commercialize over the next year. And, and S4 HANA is the platform we've chosen to help commercialize those instruments. We're, deploying SAP Analytics Cloud along with that S4 HANA instance. And again, we think that's going to add a lot of real-time value. The other interesting area we, we've, we've used S4 HANA on AWS is uh, we've, we've developed a system using that platform for our customers to actually manage their, our inventory in their premises and even our competitors' inventory, if they wish, on their premises. Um, and, and that allows those customers to do um, 
you know, automated reordering with our digital, digital assets like our, our website. So that's really cool. And for us, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting. Often in IT, it's, it's hard to make a direct connect to business and you know, the success of the business and the revenue and, and, and things of that nature. Here, we're developing software that's actually going to be commercialized from, from within our organization. And that's, uh, that's tying our day-to-day -day jobs into you know, real um, revenue implications. So there's a lot of excitement about that. We still have a lot of our ERP systems hosted on-premise. Um, and we've, we've, we've integrated these S4 HANA systems into a number of those systems. They will, over time, move up into the AWS cloud and, and that will become our overall IT ecosystem. So what are the results we've seen so far? As I mentioned, we have the inventory management solution we've deployed out in the United States. It's been very well received and we're looking at Europe uh, in 2019. We're commercializing two new strategic instruments for our organization through SAP S4HANA. Um, one um, common theme both from our customers, our external customers and, and our internal employees is the Fiori presentation layer has, has vastly improved the uh, usability, the workflow, the capability um, and, and just helping our, our, our users get the most out of the system help them guide them what they should be doing, what they should be working on, what they should be prioritizing. So that's, that's, the, that's really adding a lot of value. We've realized some cost reduction. Um, I mentioned the DR cost reduction. So the, these, these percentages are over what we would have had to do in an on-premise environment. And that's significant. Um, it's, it's uh, I'm sure a number of you experience it, but it's, it's, it can be difficult to present a business case to do large-scale SAP implementations. When you can reduce costs like this from an infrastructure perspective, those, those business cases become a lot more um, palatable from, from our business partner's perspective. The performance has been fantastic. Um, we've had zero downtime with either of these systems. And uh, as, uh, as Baz was talking to, our ability to spin up environments quickly um, for different purposes. Um, there's, I mentioned the Vanta project that we have going on in, in Vinland. Um, we needed a test environment, a new test environment for that, for that project real quick uh, to enable some extra testing and data loads and we were able to do it in a matter of hours where previously it would have taken weeks. So that, that, that makes a, you know, that's, that's saving money from um, the spend we have to do on the project. It's allowing our business realize the value of these implementations quicker. It's avoiding some of the, um, some of the statistics that were shared around not, not, not staying on budget, not realizing the value. These are the kind of things that make the difference in, in terms of doing that. And, and we have also been able to spin up an environment um, for one of our internal businesses that are looking at SAP and wanted to get a flavor of what does this look like? How would it look for me? How would it look for users? How does it differentiate from what I have today? And again, taking hours, not weeks, and being able to have that discussion and that evaluation very quickly. So see, these are some of the benefits, and, and we're, um, we're obviously on a, we're early on the journey here, um, but we're, we're very excited about what, what, what uh, opportunity we have here. And I, I, I did mention we've 75 ERP systems, about 10 of them are SAP systems. Um, so we're evaluating, um, you know, things like the FAST program that Baz mentioned and or are we going to lift and shift 
Um, but ultimately, all of those SAP programs will either fold into S4HANA that, we, that we're building here, that's going to be our core strategic platform from an SAP perspective, or in some cases, we will lift and shift depending on the, on the, the nature of the situation. So a lot of work ahead of us, but uh, we think there's a, there's a lot of business benefit here, and that's, that's, uh, that's the key for us at the end of the day. John, um, thanks, boss. Stay here for a second. Sure. Uh, with John here, maybe there are some questions people have about any of the the content that we shared. Uh, do we have microphones, or I can repeat the question as well? I was wondering what the size of your largest ECC I might actually uh, check that's with my colleagues here. a question for John, right? Yes. So that's uh, the question: is the size of our largest ECC instance? If I'm not mistaken, it is in that range of uh, seven to eight terabytes that uh, was being alluded to, that, that kind of mid-range. So we have one fairly large instance that's around that size and then a number of smaller, smaller size instances. How are you maintaining zero downtime, especially when patching the operating system? So I, 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 in, in all fairness, I won't be able to tell you exactly. I'm, I'm lucky enough to work with a team that uh, are, are highly skilled in that area. But I know we, we do not have downtime with our systems. We are able to apply patches. We're able to apply software updates, code changes, things of that nature uh, on the fly. Now, we usually do it on the weekend. Um, but no, there's no downtime with those systems. How's the user experience from the performance standpoint? Uh, we work on some life safety applications, and a spinning wheel uh, may cause, you know, life-threatening events. So, what's your experience there from the performance standpoint? So, with Fiori specifically, or yes, yeah, yeah, it's it's been good. We we, we did have to do some tuning. Okay. Um, we we. In, in, and frankly, we learned the hard way in some cases, so we did, we did have some work to do. Um, but we've, we've got it to a point now where, where that product is being commercialized and our customers are telling us it's performing. And also, we, where, where we're in deploying it internally, the, the business team there, again, we had some initial tweaks and tuning we had to do, um, but it's performing well. Yeah. I have another question on the ECC size. Our, our database instance is 30 terabytes. So is there an archiving that has to be done before we move it to cloud, or, or it can be moved? The 30 terabyte workload is huge. So I'll take that device, question. Yeah. 30 terabytes is, is a huge ECC system. The que the, there's tons of questions there, right? Would our archiving help? Um, we've seen very different results depending on the amount of compression and what database platform you're starting for, from and where you're going. Suite on HANA is able to reduce memory more than S4 HANA, for instance. Um, you're going from Oracle. You're going from Oracle, and are you doing row-level, page-level compression already, or is it basically an uncompressed database? Uncompressed at database. Right. An uncompressed. So depending if you're a... Uh, there's all it depends type of answers, right? So we would love to work with you on that. What we've seen, for instance, for Bristol Myers, Bristol Myers Cooper was able to get a 10 terabyte Oracle system into two terabytes of HANA. Okay. 
but that's because they're highly skew-based in their entire business model, right, and which compressed extremely well. Um, it really depends on how your system is being used. We absolutely can work on that. 12 terabytes could be initiated, and we do that usually fair amount of confidence. It will reduce more than twice, right? So if you go from 30 and divide that to 15, the 12 terabyte is more than likely a viable destination. And once you actually go through the fast exercise, this is what several clients have done now, they go through what they possibly could think is the, the largest instance. We had Zappos, they actually thought their three terabyte system would need, uh, no, they had a seven terabyte core system and they anticipated they needed three terabytes. By the time they did the conversion, they noticed they had 800 gigabytes. The failover from that four terabyte to a one terabyte system took five minutes, right? So what you would do in this case, rather than going through all kinds of sizing exercises, is just execute the fast migration, land it in a 12 terabyte box, and then actually see how big the database truly is at this point in time, fail over to that, reduce your infrastructure cost. But yeah, typically 30 terabytes should be able to fit in a 12 terabyte. Sorry. So my question is, SAP also offers uh, HANA on the cloud. Is there any reason why you picked uh, HANA on the AWS compared to going to SAP itself? So the question is, SAP also has a native SAP or an SAP provided offering HANA on the cloud. There, there's very many solutions, to be honest, right? Ha SAP offers HANA Enterprise Cloud which is a managed service on a provider of your choosing, AWS being one of them. Uh, you would choose that if you actually would appreciate the SAP-provided application management services, right? If you want SAP to take ownership of the patching and, and maintenance of your system, HEC is a great solution. Um, there is HANA as a service, which we co-engineered with SAP, which is actually the first containerized version of HANA that runs on a Docker container within the SAP cloud platform. That runs on AWS underlying as well. But that you would choose that if you actually need HANA databases to power whatever you're building on the SAP cloud platform. So there's, there's so many options. There's probably about 30 renditions of consuming HANA as a cloud solutions. A number of them provided by SAP, a number of them provided by other providers like Intelligence or na name a provider. Um, it wouldn't need to meet your business case. Uh, happy to talk to you, but there's unfortunately not an easy answer there. But for, for Thermo Fisher specifically, AWS is a strategic partner for us. So the, the decision, um, you know, we knew SAP would work well on the AWS platform, but it wasn't encompassed around SAP, you know, the SAP decision specifically. We will, we will basically run our IT ecosystem in AWS ultimately. There was another question. Hi. Yes. Uh, my name's Chris. I'm from Airbus. So we're a big SAT user and lots of users on our systems. I think we're 15 terabytes plus in some of our instances. So question for you is, uh, really interested to hear, just for your eight terabytes, which is their biggest instance, I believe you said, how many users concurrently, how many users in total run on it? Just, I'm just after a benchmark. Roughly. Yeah, concurrent, it's in the hundreds. I, Because I, I, we, we run as a global organization, so obviously yeah. we've worked load shifting over regions. 
Um, but it would be in, if I was, I don't have the specific number, but if I'm ha hazarding a guess, I'm saying five, six, seven hundred there, thereabouts. Six, seven hundred? Users, concurrent users, I think, yeah. Okay. Maybe a little less, but there, thereabouts, yeah. Okay. And in total, how many registered users do you have? Uh, it's 2,000 and something. Again, I'm okay. struggling for the numbers off the top of my head, but yeah. it's, it's there, thereabouts, yeah. Okay, cool. Thanks. Okay. Love your product, by the way. I use it every week. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Yes. No, new, new. Both were new, um, and we, we, we did that. We kept them separate because one was customer facing, one was for internal consumption. Um, but both, yeah, were new. They were kind of born in the cloud, so to speak. Um, but we have, as I alluded to, a number of SAP instances we are going to be migrating over, and we have to ask ourselves and answer the question of what direction do we take in terms of some of the options that Baz was relating to. So we haven't migrated one yet. Yes, uh, just come back on the user access. Uh, do you change your strategy regarding the user access uh, by migrating to Amazon, or do you still get the uh, guy uh, access from your geographical uh, plant? Or I don't know. Do you change something on that? So we we we. We've one single global instance on the S4 HANA, well, one external, one internal. We haven't changed how the users access the system in terms of you know, deploying on-premise versus in the cloud. Fiori has introduced um, a different way of thinking of how you do the back-end security in SAP and how you enable tiles and things of that nature. So that's more where the change came. Uh -huh. We, 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 um, you're probably maybe taking me a place that's maybe a little too deep, but I know we don't use SAP GUI anymore, where we're a, it's a HTML front end and it's, it's all presented in that manner. So I don't know if that goes some way to answering your question, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, and so on user access, we did introduce um, a, uh, a solution called uh, SmartView, which basically um, makes the, uh, the GUI HTML5. It's, it's like a Citrix just for the SAP GUI uh, footprints, and we see a lot of customers deploy that as the way to actually reach users wherever they are in the world and no longer have the need to deploy the SAP GUI on the client uh, as such. So there's, maybe we can connect offline and talk a little bit about that. Any other questions? There's one in the back. Yeah, John, uh, just curious how you tackle the DR now, the DR requirement. Disaster recovery. Yeah, so again, uh, you're, um, I'd, I'd probably need to, I can maybe take some questions offline by email or such, but um, we've, we've deployed, I know we've deployed in a manner that, that is, is, is enabling DR. 
to get into the details, I'll, I'll, I'll have to get some more information for you. So uh, it's probably not answering your question, but I'm sure I can follow up on that. I do have one slide that, um, that might be of interest here that we actually took out of this presentation, assuming this question wouldn't come up, but, <laughs> but there it is. Um, so let's see if we can unhide this slide and present it. So a little bit about disaster recovery and high availability in the, in the bottom here. Um, so this slide we used to kind of highlight some of the resiliency uh, improvements that you can expect by moving an SAP environment to AWS. In the bottom, we're explaining three possible HADR type of configurations. And we see customers, depending on the, the, the RTO and RPO requirements for these systems, choose different uh, configurations. At a minimum, you can, uh, you can activate CloudWatch, which is about a dollar per system per month, and it's just a, a monitor that makes sure that that system is alive. Uh, at the moment that it's not alive, it will start uh, the instantiation of that system from the S3 or the EBS bucket, wherever it's at, and reinstate it. Now, that takes a couple of hours, typically, but for a BW system, many customers say, that's, that's okay, right? It's not mission critical. I'm okay if that's down for four hours, if I can actually prevent myself from paying twice for the system because I have a hot standby. Um, on the left, or for you, on the right-hand side is your traditional environment. You very much can do a, a hot standby, right? A master-slave type of concept with... Uh, uh, mirror uh, log shipping between the facilities. You can obviously go from one AZ to another AZ and stay in a, in, a, in a region. You can actually go from Virginia to Singapore to become much more hardened. See, all kinds of customers do different things depending on their, their level and their tolerance acceptance, but it is going to be a fast failover at that point in time, right? We're talking minutes. Or you can do in the middle a thing that we call optimized high availability where, especially in a HANA environment, you at least keep the row-level system of HANA as a second copy available. And the moment that it fails over, it will start uh, restoring the column database, but your system is relatively quick available online, right? So those are three basic options. There's tons of partners that, that have built automated solutions as well in this space. So uh, we have a lot of solution architects here at the conference. If you want to go a little bit deeper into that topic, happy to do so. Any other questions? We have one more question. Um, I wonder if the support structure for, say, basis or your infrastructure needs to change. That's a great question. Did your support structure change as a result? So the structure, the structure needs to change is how I'd put it. We're, we're still in our previous structure, but we've learned that um, that needs to change. Um, and, it, it, you know, it, it's part of the bigger picture of, the, the software-based um, infrastructure enablement and the automation of how we, how we provision environments and set up environments. It's going to enable um, those engineers to, to look more at innovation. They're, they're focusing more on, on uh, automation rather than build. 
um, and how we structure our teams to be um, to maximize on that, we, we're still thinking through that. So we haven't changed our structure, but we realize we should be changing our structure. Well, it's a great <coughs> question, uh, which allows me probably to close as well. In our experience, the SAP basis talent is the hero of enabling this. It is relatively easy. We literally retrain customers and partners in four hours, maybe eight hours, because right? the concepts aren't that different for a basis individual. They just need to learn a little bit more about how you manage, harden, instantiate environments within AWS, and they can come a long way relatively quickly. Much easier than an AWS expert learning SAP um, as, the, as the alternative. Um, so there's a dedicated uh, space on our uh, AWS website to help you with any questions you might have around SAP workloads. Obviously, we're here at the conference. My, my if you're interested, take the two-way door concept to heart. Just experience it. We've never helped a customer to just at least do a POC, not realizing what it actually could mean for their organization. And we're happy to engage with you or with the partners that are here at the conference or with customers like John that have been very gracious to, uh, to share their story. With that, uh, day two is kicked off from my perspective, so enjoy the rest of the conference. Thank you. Thank you, guys.